Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 3. This is Writing Excuses Lovecraftian Horror. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Sherry Priest. Say hello. Hello. So, we are recording again live at the Writing Excuses Retreat. And last week we actually introduced a new format to this year's series of Writing Excuses episodes. Week two is going to be a wild card. So we're actually following that format this week. (laughs) We're doing something completely different just so that you don't get bored of the same topic. And we have the wonderful Sherry Priest on with us. And you write some Lovecraftian books. Uh, Most recently, yes. Define for us Lovecraftian for those who are like, what the heck is this? I don't have that in a tweet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's something that that harkens back unto Lovecraft. He he rather famously said that he wanted to write things that would frighten an atheist. And so kind of the the pivot of Lovecraft that I think is really important um, is is that he he walked away from the idea of your your characters have to make very stupid decisions in order Mm -hmm. for horror to proceed. And he said, no, um, the correct way to go about that is to make the horror and the threat so much greater than your protagonist that even a competent, reasonable, informed individual still wouldn't really have a chance against it. And uh, that's, I, I think it's something that especially after the 80s and 90s, uh, the, the slasher flip fix, mm-hmm. flicks, I'm sorry. Um, it, it's a nice reaction to that. Right. Uh, right. Now, he was writing in the earlier part of the century. Yes. But it took 100 had, years to come back around yeah. to it. But. <laughs> had a huge uh, impact on writing and horror and things like this in general. Um, let's define a little bit more of the Lovecraftian style so that people know what we mean by this. Well, one of the things that I think is a hallmark of it is what, what people will call um, eldritch horror, which mm-hmm. means that there is, it's horror with a supernatural component and, as Sherry said, something that is um, greater than mankind. Uh, Cthulhu is a Lovecraftian creation. Yes. And one of the things that everybody is, has seen seeped into popular culture as probably his master plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's an elder god, uh, the Necromonicon, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, something that will destroy your mind. And, and I think, actually, that also is a fairly strong component to Lovecraft is that the level of, uh, there's, there's a lot of people going crazy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like the ultimate horror to you is going crazy. It's worse than being killed. Um, most of his pieces are in first person, which makes um, they're, they're writing after the fact, and you can see the effect on their mental state as yeah. they're being, you know, I, driven more and more. One, back. one of the things, you know, it's not just that they go generically crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But that they are confronted with, you know, in most cases, the the brutal insignificance of human existence. Right. And that's what's like. Well, then why should I bother caring yeah. about anything anymore? The losing of self. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and he tells them in kind of a macro and a micro. Mm -hmm. and some of the stories are very, very small and personal about one weird, yeah. strange little thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the rats in the walls. Yeah, it's so just, it's my it's, favorite it's one Lovecraft, weird, It's actually. a great one. It's, mm -hmm. it's just a very small, very weird little story that happens mm -hmm. just right here with this guy. And then you get around to the Mountains of Madness or, uh, or Call of Cthulhu or mm -hmm. one of those. And it becomes the entire world versus... Um, so that's something that's always been kind of interesting. And he, they, they tended to kind of largely break down to his, um, I thought of it as like the oceanic theme stuff, mm. uh, the things that sleep in the, in the water. Right. And then the cosmic stuff that are the things from out, the comic about space and yes. all of mm -hmm. that stuff. So mm -hmm. he seemed to be looking down and up, and, and it was kind of one or the other. Now there w is an elephant in the room mm -hmm. when we talk about Lovecraft. Um, he, as a person, had some very deplorable views. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's very hard to discuss Lovecraft without bringing it up. Uh, Sherry, you mentioned. <laughs> I get asked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very often, just because of the way the demographic skews, uh, on Lovecraftian panels in, in um, uh, conventions and the like, I'm, I'm typically the token lady. <laughs> mm. So they always want to throw that at me. They're like, well, you know, Lovecraft hated ladies. <laughs> and, uh, and black people, and gay, probably all kinds of people. And I, obviously, I can't speak for everyone everywhere, but for me personally, and for a lot of people I know who are fans of his, even while recognizing the, the difficulty thereof, um, nobody hates anything that they're not afraid of. Mm. And Lovecraft was afraid of pretty much everything and everybody. This was a guy, you know, like they say around here, just bless his heart. He, <laughs> <laughs> he was afraid of, of just everything and everyone. And, and, and he was afraid of things staying the same. And he was afraid of things changing. And he was afraid of other people. And he was afraid of himself. And, and for me personally, I, well, I find it difficult to take personally. Yeah. It's like this is, this is such a broad problem that this man has. And, and yes, you, you, you should not ignore it. You should not walk away from it. But as, as, as a, a young gothling who grew up in the 80s and, and the 90s, um, I didn't discover Lovecraft until later, and it, it changed the way that I thought of horror. It changed the way that I thought about uh, telling a frightening story. Like, you, you don't have to rely on these really obvious tropes. And, oh, my God, there's a Geico commercial right now that I linked on Twitter the other day. It just killed me. It's a bunch of people in a horror movie running away. Well, why don't we just get in that running car over there? No, let's go hide in the basement. How about the attic? How about behind those chainsaws over there? <laughs> <laughs> in a horror movie, people do stupid things. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. And, and then when I finally came around to Lovecraft, it was my late Gothic revival in my early 20s. I love the word Gothic. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Uh, it implies ducklings, and we all followed each other. But, no. but yeah, so yeah, you come around to that. It's a traffic for yeah. And I do think it is, um, while we really need to acknowledge yeah. who he was and things, we can look at the work and why it's so um, persistently fascinating yeah. and had such an impact on the genre as a whole. Um, as writers, we can dissect that and should dissect mm -hmm. that to learn how to be better writers. Well, I think it's even more important to acknowledge that, uh, you know, as, as execrable as, uh, as, you know, some of his positions were, when you talk about Lovecraftian fiction, when you talk about writing horror where our protagonists are not stupid mm -hmm. and where we are up against evils that are so unspeakably large that we just can't do anything, um, lots of people are writing that. And you can write that yeah. from positions of, uh, very, very broad acceptance and open-mindedness, and that's how I like to write it. Oh. And, and I think that's a challenge that any writer can take up. Well, one of the things you're starting to see is, is a lot of embracing of it. It, it. After a fashion, Lovecraft was the ultimate other. 
Mm. You know, like he literally thought he was a planet of one. You know, so everything he's writing, yeah. <laughs> he's the only person ever. And and genre fiction has always been the, the 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 literature of the other, and for the people who felt left out for whatever reason, for coming to it from this other place. And so it, I was going somewhere with that. I swear to God, it's been a long week already. Um, well, let, let me yes. ask the why. Please redirect let's, me. <laughs> let's ask why is this so persistent? What about it is so great? Okay, so for example, Sherry mentioned The Color Out of Space, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite of his stories. And it's, it's a small farm and the family who lives there who are menaced and eventually destroyed, like physically warped and destroyed by a color. Now, as she said, mm -hmm. this is a man incredibly afraid of everything. You have to be very <laughs> terrified in order to be afraid of a color. But what makes it effective and what I think makes him as an author so effective is that he was able to take something ridiculous as a color mm -hmm. and make it terrifying. And how did you do that, Dan? You know, calling <laughs> out, well, okay, the hard question, fine. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> really emphasizing the, the unknowability of mm. something, using the descriptions. You know, it's very easy to make a werewolf sound scary. Right. But when you're trying to make a color sound scary, you have to be very careful with your word choices. You have to be very vivid in your descriptions. You have to establish, you know, what is this family really like? And then he subtly changes them page by yeah. page, and you watch them kind of disintegrate. I think that's a big part of it. Um, uh, Lovecraft is dealing with the fear of the unknown. And in a lot of uh, horrors, eventually, you come face to face with the unknown. Um, and, you know, it destroys you. Well, in Lovecraft, the unknown is kind of reaching out of the darkness, grabbing you by the toes, and pulling you into it. And many of the stories are about the person finding out that they are, are the other, that all along they have been the other, or they are being pulled into the other. This is a story of Shadow over In's Mouth. This is the story of so many of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Rats in the Walls is yeah. this. I am the other. I didn't realize that. I can't know myself anymore. The horror of being uh, of the unknown seeping inside of you. Well, and he does it with very, very simple. Like for all that that everybody talks about Lovecraftian language, and it can, mm -hmm. it can yes. be that. Yes. But but I think when he's at his best, um, I, well, I would compare it to something. Uh, Dave Barry, who writes humor, uh, was was talking once about writing something that's funny, and the way you surprise people is you don't compare. Like if you have something small um, that you're trying to uh, exaggerate, you don't compare it. Like say a can of Sprite. Mm. Uh, uh, a while back, I, I made a joke about opening up a can of whoop-ass uh, the size of a German Shepherd. Because that's, <laughs> well, it, and it's a little surprising because if I'd said, like, the size of a minivan, well, that's, that's, that's not as interesting a comparison. Yeah, yeah it, it's not an interesting enough comparison. You can compare it to something that is a small version of a large thing. Or, and anyway, I, I'm saying this poorly, but... Um, no, I think this is good. This makes sense. <laughs> but... but he, he kind of comes at it from the same way. Two. He uses the word two a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it, the trees were too stark. The night was too dark. It's like, this is what it is, and you recognize this, but there's something just half a click in one direction that's not quite right about it. And it doesn't, he doesn't compare everything to, like, it, it, was, it was as terrifying as, you know, the dark lords of hell. No, it was, it was just a little too something. It was mm -hmm. just a little, yeah. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. 
They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Carrie, okay. you wanted to pitch one of your bookstores. I did. My uh, most recent book is called Love, uh, Maple Croft. <laughs> See how tired I am. I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's called Maple Croft, and there are two pitches for it. The high pitch is that it's a 19th century Gothic epistolary. Mm. Um, it's a love letter to Dracula via Lovecraft. And okay. the low pitch is that it's Lizzie Borden fighting Cthulhu with an axe. Okay. <laughs> so whichever one you like best. I, I have to say that I just finished reading it, mm-hmm. and... It is all things awesome because it is both of those things at the same time, <laughs> and Lizzie Borden with an axe and Cthulhu. Yeah, I, it kind of rocks. I, I thought, what the heck? Awesome. You know? it, it was fun to do. You know, I came across some of the old trial transcripts online a while back, and and I and, and weirdly it tangled up with a Michael Jackson case, which was also kind of in the consciousness at the time. Well, and and I kind of came at them both the same way. Like, this is very difficult for me because I have to hope that you didn't do these things. Because if you did, well, you, you had it coming, everything, all the fallout, but you got away with it. But if you didn't do it, then you really didn't deserve all of this. Right. This, this shouldn't have followed you for the rest of your life. So like, you come out of these cases not having a clear way to feel about either right. one. And so right. I thought, well, what if she had a really good reason? Mm. <laughs> what if, say, they were like turning into Lovecraftian fish people and trying to eat her? You could kill somebody with an axe then, yeah. right? That would and, be fair. And it's, it's really wonderful. And our listeners should go pick it up. Um, it is being read by Joanna Parker and Roger Wayne, and our listeners can get it at audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 30-day free trial membership and listen to this um, delectable bit of terror. <laughs> right, thank you. Excellent. So, our listeners, they want to write Lovecraftian horror, just like Sherry has. <laughs> Where do we steer them? How do they approach it? And what are things that you can do 
with Lovecraft and horror, you can't do with other stories? And what are things that may be part of the genre that you don't need, but you could have? Well, one thing that I want to say when you're looking at Lovecraftian horror and mm -hmm. starting to edge into it is that Lovecraft is not the only person who wrote Lovecraftian horror. Right. He actually sanctioned other writers to write in his universe. So when you're looking at doing this, you know, anytime you're starting to explore a new genre, it's useful to pick up mm -hmm. and read people who write in that genre. But so you can read Lovecraft, and then you can also read other people whose names have just left my head. <laughs> August Derleth is the fame one, Thank famous you. one. Um, well, and, I, and I'd like to point out also that there is a difference in my mind between Lovecraftian horror and mm. the mythos the, yeah. yes. itself. Yes, you know? because, good point. Um, Robert E. Howard. Uh, yeah, the yeah Robert E. Yeah. Howard is what I was going to mention. He was, he was a friend of Lovecraft, at least by a letter they would write to each other. And the Conan stories are not Cthulhu. They are not mythos stories. Mm -hmm. But they are so deeply steeped in this concept of the unknowable horror and the world that doesn't care about you. Mm -hmm. and, ha and, you know, just the difference is Lovecraft's heroes were all these kind of upper-class researchers and, and scientists who were trying to understand it. And Howard's hero tended to be a big, scary barbarian who was trying to kill it with a sword. Mm -hmm. And his mighty fuse. And his <laughs> <Yeah>. mighty fuse. <laughs> well, one of the things that's always, um, Lovecraft likes to do kind of the Russian nesting doll of isolation. Mm -hmm. Like you think you're alone, like you personally are alone, and maybe you work in a department that is frowned upon and looked down upon, and you're alone in your department at your university, and maybe you live in a bad part of town, and so you're also isolated that way, and maybe, and but then it gets to the point where you're also isolated in the entire cosmic whole, like, it's something that was really interesting to me, and I wanted mm. to do that in Maplecroft. Like, these women are isolated for this reason, and this reason, and this reason, and this reason. That's a really fascinating mm -hmm. observation. Yeah, um, one of my other favorites of his is uh, The Whisperer in Darkness, mm -hmm. which is one of those cosmic ones that Sherry mentioned mm -hmm. that's about, you know, aliens and, and technology. <coughs> and uh, the guy ends the story trapped alone in a cabin in the woods, but long before that, he's already being isolated by his fellow professors who no longer trust him by the other people in his town who think he's weird. You know, it starts off with, with these different layers. I, I think that's a, a great observation. Well, he, he's really the master of kind of doing that, that, that trick where just when you think it's as bad as it can possibly get, uh -huh. you're only halfway there. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, you thought, you thought we were done. No. <laughs> Howard, you write Lovecraftian fiction. Yeah, yeah. I, I was invited to participate in an anthology called Space Eldritch. Mm. And uh, and and my approach to it was, uh, yeah, honestly, it was very very shallow and superficial at first. Which is okay, giant tentacle monster in space that eats planets will be one of my reveals, and and a descent into madness will be the character path. Um, and the idea that I blended with that was uh, the thought that uh, you, you know how they. Well, it's changed now. You can't take your Kindle and yeah. read it on an airplane. And I thought, well, what if books, when you close a book, the ink of the, the letters touching each other forms symbols that we don't know what they mean. And since this spaceship is powered by rune magic, you just can't have books because we might crash. <laughs> um, and so from there... I have a character who's got rune magic and it gets into his brain and he hijacks the ship that he stowed away on 
and we have the big monster, and it was a lot of fun, and my favorite part of writing that was that my brother read it and got to the ending and said, well, but but couldn't he have... No, no, he really couldn't have. <laughs> but but what if... No, no, I'm sorry. He, he hated the fact that it was... Uh, that he was up against, our hero was up against something so big that... Yeah, it's, it's, there's a futility mm -hmm. to a Lovecrafting yeah. story. There's a, but it's a fascinating futility. You're struggling so hard. Well, because failing. it's what you would do. Mm -hmm. um, when, when the girl goes down in the basement in her 90 with the candelabra, you kind of mm -hmm. want something bad to happen to her. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> but when someone is doing all of the sane and logical stuff that, mm -hmm. well, I, but if I were in that situation, it would totally work out better and different. No, no, yeah. it wouldn't. Still going to get eaten by the tentacle yeah, monster. There, there's yeah. one of his stories that, uh, and I, I forget the name, maybe, maybe Sherry knows it, mm -hmm. where there is a guy who wants to investigate this very deep tomb that he has found. And so rather than go down there alone, he assembles a whole team and like he even do. takes a <laughs> telephone with him so that they can communicate back up to the top and give regular reports. You know, we found this, but we're still okay. And so they've done everything they can to keep themselves safe, but then that telephone becomes the method of horror when <laughs> the, the next call does not come from a, a person. And, uh, it, you know, he takes, you be as cautious as you want, I'm going to turn that around and ruin you anyway. We are unfortunately out of time. I think we could talk forever on this topic. It is so fascinating, um, particularly for me writing epic fantasy, where epic fantasy is based on this idea of the small guy finding out the world is bigger than himself and then taking it over, which is the opposite twist. And anyway, um, but <laughs> we're going to go ahead and have a writing prompt. Unlike the exercise we gave last week, on these wildcard weeks, we're going to go back to just giving you a regular old writing prompt for those of you that love those. Um, and Howard is going to give us... And okay. for those of you coming in fresh and new, yes. what we mean by a writing prompt is that you get to do basically some free writing based yes. on the prompt that yep. Howard gives you. Okay. Uh, take a character and from that character's point of view, describe their reaction to something horrific and un indescribable and awful but don't describe the thing. Excellent. Another thank you to Sherry and to our Writing Excuses Retreat members. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.